No way were the first words. Apparently, Einstein didn't say anything at all till he was four years old. Didn't utter a word till he was four years old. Said absolutely nothing. And then he came up with like whole sentences. And I think his parents said, why didn't you say something before? And he said, it wasn't necessary. <laughs> Probably looked after, had everything he needs. So there's a question mark there. What were the first words of Jesus recorded for us in the Gospels? What the first words of Jesus recorded for us in the Gospels? Yes, Jenny's got that. Round of applause for the pastor. It's Luke 2, verse 49. Jesus has disappeared off from Mary and Joseph. And he says, why did you need to search for me? Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? Or I must be about my father's business? You can read it either way. So the first, well, first words he spoke, but maybe he was about 12 years old. The first recorded words in the Gospels that Jesus said, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? What were the last words Jesus said on the cross? Yep. One of the words is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, he did say it is finished in John, but perhaps the last words he said are Luke twenty-three forty-six. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Luke 23, 46. So the first recorded words, I must be about my father's business. The last words before he breathed his last and died on the cross was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So fatherhood is right there in the Gospels, on the lips of our wonderful Lord Jesus. And then prayer. What does Matthew 6, verse 9 say? Matthew 6, verse 9. Pastor's got it again. Shh, don't tell him. Matthew 6, verse 9. Yeah, Jesus said, pray like this, our Father in heaven. So the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father. Father God was his Father, but he includes us in the family. And we can pray our Father, Abba, Dad. That's how we're meant to relate to God and know God. That's the Lord's Prayer. And then Jesus' longest prayer recorded for us is in... The pastor's got close, but not quite there. Jenny said John 14, Tara says John 15, John 17, there we go, John 17, that long prayer of Jesus, and it said this, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. So the longest prayer we have recorded for us by Jesus, he says, Father, the Lord's prayer that he's given to us, he says, our Father. It's really at the heart of what we believe in our faith and in the Gospels. Floyd McClung, who wrote that book, The Father, Heart of God, said he remembers when his daughter was five and she said, what does God look like? And he had to think about it. What does God look like? And basically, God looks like 
Jesus. John 1.18, Jesus said, No one has ever seen God. The only Son has made him known. So Son to Father. John 14.9, Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. God the Father is like Jesus. So you look in the Gospels at how Jesus treated people and you find out what Father God is like. So the disciples said, send those children away. We can't be bothered with little kids. And Jesus says, no, bring the little children to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The religious leaders wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus says, if you've not sinned, you cast the first stone. They all disappear. And he says to that woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. If we want to know what Father God is like, the best image, the best picture for us is Jesus himself in the Gospels. John's Gospel, God is called Father 99 times. It's really at the heart of the Gospel revelation. The Muslims have 99 names for God, and none of them is Father. But through Jesus and in the Gospel of John, 99 times God has called, is called Father. So how do we know that fathering? It's really at the heart of what we believe. And one of the ways is his provision for us. His provision for us. Let's read this together. Matthew 6, 31 to 33, together. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. God, our Father, provides for us, doesn't he? Now obviously there are times and places in this world where there's incredible hardship, but in most of our experience... Kids don't wake up in the morning and think, how are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to pay the mortgage? How are we going to get food? They trust that their fathers and mothers provide for them. And God wants us to have that childlike trust in him for food and shelter. Can you think about ways God's provided for you? I was kind of thinking a bit myself. I remember going to another church and a guy said he wanted to give a little testimony and uh, I think it was about Thursday, and he was looking at the prospect of the weekend, and he realized he had no money. So it wasn't a case of you know, not, the rent not being paid. He wasn't going to be kicked out of his flat. But he had no money and no food for the weekend. And uh, he said, so I prayed, and I prayed that I'd find the money I needed on the pavement. And then he spent the next two hours walking around with his head down trying to find this money. He didn't find any money on the pavement. But then his phone rang, and someone offered him work the next day, and it was just the money he needed to pay for all his food for the weekend. And God provides in wonderful ways, and I can think of that myself. I've been given money. Anyone here been given money? It's a wonderful blessing. I've actually found money on the street. On you, have you found money on the street? I've done that as well. Steve found some this week. Found money on the streets. I've been given work. And God has provided in fantastic ways. So I was thinking back, I remember back in the late 1980s, I was earning 300 pounds a month 
Now, it was obviously worth a bit more then, but it wasn't like pre-Second World War. It was the, the late 80s. And I remember going, being asked to go to another church and do teaching for a weekend at this other church. And they gave me, after that, 350 quid. And it was like, wow, that's more than a month's money from one weekend. It was absolutely amazing. And I remember um, the Evangelical Alliance needed people to promote their work and uh, sell membership at Spring Harvest. And uh, they were offering accommodation, food vouchers, and £100. So I thought, wow. And it was in Prestatin. So I had to drive to Prestatin. It's about 600 miles there and back. And uh, then they said they would pay mileage, 45p a mile, 600. Add that to 100 quid, more than a month's money in five days. So whether it's working, whether it's people giving a gift, God has provided in so many ways. I remember in the early 90s, us going to, to a building society to ask for a mortgage, and I was earning £6,000 a year. And after she laughed, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we actually got, got a mortgage. It was amazing. God's provided in so many wonderful, wonderful ways. So don't worry about things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we, we wear? These things dominate the minds of unbelievers. Your heavenly Father knows your needs. Prioritize the kingdom of God and he will provide for you. I want to pray that uh, we'll know wonderful heavenly Father and we'll know him providing for us. The next thought uh, is another P, and that's the protection of God. And I wonder, Jane, if you could turn the lights off for us. We're going to have two video clips, so you can leave the lights off for a little while. And uh, I don't know what you think of this. You may have seen it before, but uh, press play, Scott, please.
Okay, you can put the hankies away now. It's a bit Disney-fied, wasn't it? A friend of mine, Paul, who preached here a few weeks ago, sent that, said it summed up his Christian life, of how he went around the world doing crazy things, and God was there for him, and God protected him. Hopefully you got the message that you may feel weak and vulnerable, you may have lots of issues in your own life that trip you up, you may feel under attack from the enemy, but there's a loving father who is there to protect you and there to defend you, and that's really, really important. There was a guy who used to do children's work um, connected with uh, one of our churches in the past, and he saw a kind of arch of protection over children's lives as they grew up. And he saw in that arch different stones representing loving parents, uh, representing God, representing security and provision. And it was good for children to grow up with a protective arch over their lives, the different elements of loving relationships, good parents and other positive things in life. And he found that when he met children with those bricks missing from that arch, it made them more vulnerable in life, more vulnerable to attack from the enemy. And his job was to help with the love of God and the help of God and the spirit of God to rebuild and put in place those protective arches. Psalm 91, let's read this together. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High who find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. And there are wonderful promises in those verses and others in the Bible. God is our protector. And he wants you to go forward in life in that knowledge that he's that strong tower. I became a Christian when I was 14 at school, uh, or just before I went back to school after the Easter holidays. And I found one little example of God being my protector at that time. And uh, came out of school with a friend of mine early one afternoon. I think it was kind of exam season in the summer. And uh, two... We were just walking down the road by the school. It was very quiet in the afternoon. And these two big skinheads came up to us. And they were the classic-looking skinheads, if you know that image, or you were around at the time. So the, the shaven heads, the, the braces, and you know the jeans, and all that kind of stuff. And started, stopped us and asked for money. And I did have some money on me. I didn't want them to take it, so I lied and said, I haven't got any money. I thought, what are we going to do here? You know, These guys are going to punch us or whatever, we feel really weak, and here they are. And then, after about two or three minutes, they ran away. Boom, gone. I thought, wow, I just thought I was going to get a pummeling, and the little bit of money I've got is going to be taken off me. And they just run away. So me and my friend walked down the street, and he went one way, I went another way. Walked a couple of roads along, and a car drew up behind me. And it was a police car with these guys in the back and said, did they just try and mug you? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, take your name and address and drove them away. In the middle of the afternoon, no one around, just as they were about to mug us, this police car came along. They saw it, they ran, we didn't see it. And they were caught just early, early, early in my Christian life. I think, wow, 
God is my protector. God is with me. And there's probably lots of ways that you know God's protected you. And there's probably a number of ways when he has, you don't actually realize it. But our wonderful Father God is our provider. And our wonderful Father God is our protector. There's going to be another video now. Because God is our promoter as well. So perhaps we could watch this. God is our promoter. He promotes us, the true story, Barcelona 92 Olympics, and his dad broke his way out of the crowd and put his arm under his shoulder and helped get him over the finishing line. We've got a wonderful God. God is our father, and as a father to us, he provides for us, he protects us, and he promotes us. In some ways, it's not so much, do you believe in God? It's the truth that God believes in you and wants the best for you. And then finally, um, there's a story again, probably most of you will know well. Prodigal, what happens in any story with that word in it, in the Bible? Any, any clues from you? Where does that word normally occur? Luke chapter 15 Debbie, story of the prodigal son, what happens? Any offers? Son goes away, comes back to the father and is accepted back in. And we usually call it, the, the, the word's not there in the Bible, it's usually called the story of the prodigal son. What does the word prodigal mean? Betrayer or rebellious? Any other offers? Estranged? Expensive? Yeah. Wasteful. It's got negative connotations, which why it's used there of wasteful or profligate or excessive. But it doesn't have to be negative. It can also mean extravagant, generous, lavish, bountiful or abundant and Tim Keller who's run very successful churches in Manhattan an author and a speaker uh, called his book about that not the prodigal son but the prodigal God and in the story rather than the son taking his inheritance running away and wasting it his focus is on the father who respects his son's autonomy gives him his free choice to go away gives him the money but extravagantly or prodigally, the father waits for him, watches for him every day, prays for him, no doubt. And then when he does see him coming back, he doesn't make him grovel and lick his boots. He tucks his kind of cloak into his belt, runs out, meets his son, kisses him, brings him back, gives him the best clothes and throws him the best party with the best food. And so Tim Keller says, maybe it's not using prodigal in a negative way as wasteful, but seeing prodigal in its positive way of being extravagant, full of grace, abundant and generous. And that's the kind of God that we've got. So he provides for us, he protects us, and he's prodigal in that way. He loves us so much. He lavishes his love on us. And on Father's Day, I want us to think about that. We've got such a wonderful God. 
such a wonderful God who's come down in the person of Jesus, who's lived among us, experienced our poverty and our pain, who's been tried unjustly, whipped and beaten and hung on a cross to forgive us, to deal with our sin, to deal with our shame and bring us back into a relationship with Father God. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing and we need to experience that more and more and more. It's really, really good. And I think as we get to know God as our Father, then hopefully men here, you can be a father to others, a father figure, pointing them to Father God, but being there for people in a fatherly way. And this society needs, desperately needs to know a loving Father God. And this society desperately needs to see men, and obviously there's mothering in God, and mothering is crucial. But this society desperately needs men who can take that father role. When you look at gun and knife crime, when you look at things in society that people are exercised about, they often say it's the absence of loving fathers is part of the problem. And if we can pray that people will know God as a loving father, and if we can grow up and rise up as men to stand in the breach and be a kind of loving father, pointing people towards their loving heavenly father, that will help bring God's healing into our world. Let's pray together and then we'll finish with worship and prayer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness towards us. Pray, Lord Jesus, that all of us will have a sense that you are our wonderful, loving, heavenly Father. Lord, help us to know something of that now. Help us to experience that touch in our lives. Help us to enjoy that goodness, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for words in Luke that say, if we keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, you will answer us. And you fathers, if you, your children ask for a fish, you don't give them a snake instead. Or if they ask for an egg, you don't give them a scorpion. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? A wonderful Lord, we pray that we'll receive your spirit now and we'll receive a revelation that you are our wonderful heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord.